0: Well Good morning. Uh, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's so good to see you here this morning at St. Mark's and thank you for those who are worshiping with us online. This year we've been in a new sermon series. I've been calling it New Year Same Promises. I've shared with you the inspiration behind the sermon series is that every year, when a new year begins, we make these resolutions. We make these promises to ourselves, maybe promises to other people, maybe promises to God about things that we're going to do differently. It might be I'm going to swear less in front of my children. It it might be that I'm going to go to church more regularly. It might be that I'm going to uh, have a hobby, create a hobby, a new hobby that replaces one that maybe is no longer good for me. All of us have these things that we would really like to do, and yet for many of us, Two, three, four weeks into the new year, all of these promises that we've made to ourselves, all these promises we've made to others, all these promises made to God, they're in jeopardy of us not keeping them. And and it ends up we feel bad about ourselves, we get disappointed, and we get discouraged. And so I thought I could preach a sermon series where I just poked fun at all of you for all of the broken promises that you've made to yourself. But then I thought, you know, better than promises that we make to ourselves for whatever reason that we're unable to keep, maybe, just maybe, it might be more helpful to talk about the promises that God makes, the promises that God keeps. And so even though it's a new year, we're looking at some of those same promises of God. Today, our passage of Scripture is this passage from Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter. And the title of today's sermon is um, God's Promise of Guidance. God's Promise for Guidance. Now, two weeks ago, before the Ward family got taken out by the stomach bug, and before I had to start wearing makeup and foundation to cover up what the dermatologist has been doing to my face... We were talking about Jesus' call to some of the very first disciples. And you might remember that story Jesus just kind of walking along the beach and sees these Four fishermen doing what fishermen do. They're, they're cleaning up after a night of fishing. And Jesus walks up to these four and says, Follow me. And according to the Gospels, they immediately put down everything and left everything And follow Jesus and I don't know about you but every time I hear that story every time I read that story it raises a lot of questions for me like why in the world would these four fishermen follow Jesus why would they just leave everything and then immediately go follow this man Jesus And I guess maybe they saw Jesus heal some sick folks. Matthew's already talked about that in his gospel, that Jesus has had a ministry of healing people who were sick. And so maybe that's why it was easy for them to follow. Uh, maybe they had seen Jesus do some even more impressive miracles, even though Matthew has not yet told us about some of those impressive miracles. Uh, we'll learn later that Jesus can calm storms, that Jesus can cast out demons, uh, that Jesus can take just a few fish and a few loaves of bread and feed thousands of people. Maybe, just maybe, they saw some of those more impressive miracles, and Matthew just hasn't gotten around to tell us what the those miracles were just yet. Or maybe they followed Jesus so instantly and decisively because they'd heard Jesus teach and they'd heard Jesus preach and there was just something about this guy. He just appeared to be anointed. He just appeared to be able to communicate God to these people in a way that just made God really come alive to them in a way that they had never seen it before. We don't know Uh, what it was, but if it was his teaching, if it was his preaching, I think that's pretty amazing as well. Because whenever Jesus would teach and preach, a lot of times the things that he would teach and preach about at first glance, sounded sort of contrary to the law that these folks had grown up knowing and understanding. At the very least, these things that Jesus was teaching and preaching uh, was in tension with the law that they had grown up understanding and and knowing and so maybe that's why when we get to our passage of scripture today one of the things that Jesus wants to make clear is that he is not here to abolish the law despite the fact that some of the things that he's saying is in tension with the law and and perhaps in some cases even sounds counter to the law that they've grown up understanding Jesus said, I came not to abolish the law, but I actually came to fulfill the law. Uh, Jesus actually wanted to help them to understand in a deeper, more meaningful way uh, what the intent of the law really was. Now, there's a problem with this approach, as Jesus will quickly find out, Going against the grain, going against the way you've always understood the Scriptures and interpreting the w- in a different way than the way you've always interpreted the Scriptures will get you into trouble. In fact, it got Jesus into trouble. In fact, it's what ended up getting Jesus crucified. Because what he was saying was so different than what they'd grown up understanding that it didn't sit well with the folks that were hearing it. That's what happens sometimes when you say something that's different than the way we've always understood it before or when you do something differently in a way that we've never done before. You'll be called a heretic. You'll be challenged about that. And so I think that might be what's going on here. Jesus is saying, look, before you get too far down that road, I am not here to abolish the law. Make that clear. I am here to fulfill it. I am here to help you understand the real intent of this law. So that's the question that I'd like to pose to us this morning. What is this relationship between the law or the rules as I'm going to refer to them this morning and the God who gave the law, the God who created us, and the God who loved us? It's an important question for us to ponder. Years ago, I I heard a preacher preach on this particular text, or maybe it was a different text, and said, you know, there are really three ways to think about the rules. Uh, One of the ways that we think about the rules is the family approach to the rules. When you and I were born, we were born into a family. And you didn't realize it on the day that you were born into this family, but you will realize it soon enough that there are rules for your family. And one of the things that you will quickly realize is that the rules in your family aren't necessarily the rules of somebody else's family. You know, why can't I get a cell phone, Mom? So and so got a cell phone. The rules are different in that family than they are in your family. You are born into the family, but the rules don't make you a part of the family. The rules of the family are there because you're in that family. So that's one of the ways to think about rules. You're born into a family, rules are there, but they don't make you a part of the family. The rules are actually there because you're a part of the family. Well, there's a second way to think about rules, and that's called the club approach to rules. If you've ever wanted to join a club, there's a really good chance that there is a set of rules that that club agrees to abide by. And if you want to be a part of the club, you have to be willing to abide by all the rules. And if you abide by all of the rules, then you get to be a part of the club. But if you don't abide by all of the rules, guess what happens? You get kicked out of the club. You don't get to be a part of the club anymore. In this scenario, the rules are what defines your relationship in the club, much different than the family model. There's a third way to think about the rules, according to this preacher that was preaching. He said that um, you could also think about the neighborhood association rules. Have you ever bought a home in a neighborhood and then you find out that there's all these covenants and restrictions, all of these rules that you're supposed to follow? And as long as you follow those rules, everything is fine. People will speak to you and wave at you when you walk outside your door. But you let your grass get too high or you let the weeds creep out over into the sidewalk or, or you decide to paint your house pink. All of a sudden, you're going to get a nice, nasty little letter from your homeowners association saying that you have violated some of the rules that are a part of living in this community. And, and and they're going to threaten to fine you. They're going to threaten to make your life miserable until you become you get back into compliance with the rules. Now, I'm guessing that if you resisted long enough, they could probably kick you out of the neighborhood. They could probably foreclose. But it seldom ever happens because the kind of rules that you're breaking probably don't measure up to being foreclosed on. But I tell you what they are going to do. They're going to make your life miserable in the hopes that you will either get into compliance with the rules or you'll just get so mad and frustrated about their rules that you'll move out of the neighborhood. Three different ways to think about the rules. Now, what do you think is the way we people of faith ought to be thinking about the rules, about the laws of God? Are the rules what make us a part of God's family? Or are the rules there because we are God's family and and the rules are there because God wants to help show us how to be in the best relationship with God and in the best relationship with the people that God loves all around us? Or... Do we think of God as like a club? As long as you're willing to abide by all of the rules, you get to be in God's family. But just as soon as you start violating the rules, you get kicked out. You are no longer a part of this club that we call the family of God. Or... Do we view uh, our relationship with God sort of like the homeowners association, the neighborhood model, where God, when we violate the rules, just makes our life miserable until we either come back into compliance with the rules or we just get fed up and we just go somewhere else? What do you think is the relationship between the law of God and being created by God and a God who loves us? Well, to answer that question, I I, I could speculate, but I thought, you don't want to hear my speculation. What might the Scripture have to say? And that reminded me of the Ten Commandments. Uh, If you go back to the Ten Commandments, do you remember how they started uh, when when the Ten Commandments are first introduced? God said... These are the ten rules that you have to follow. And if you don't follow these rules, you're not in the club. You're out. You're on the outside. Is that what it said? No. The very introduction into the Ten Commandments is God already assuring and reminding these people that you're mine. You're a part of my family. I went to great lengths to redeem you. I I promise that I am going to be with you and that I am going to bless you. You are already a part of God's family. Now, I'm about to give you some rules, but the rules are not what make you a part of my family. The rules are there because... You're in my family. The rules are there because I want you to have the best relationship with me and the best relationship with other people that you can possibly have. That's why those rules are there. The whole overarching theme of Scripture is that we are saved by grace, not by law the whole overarching theme of Scripture is that we are saved by grace, not by works. It's a gift from God. Now, because we have been claimed by God and named as children of God, we get an opportunity to choose how we will respond to the grace that has been made known to us by God. And what God longs for is for us to to live by the laws that have been established, not because they make us a part of God's family, but because they help us to have the best possible relationship with God and with other humans. But we're not saved by those laws. We are saved by grace. Grace. And that's what we get the opportunity to decide today anew, is how will we respond to that grace of God? And the good news and the point of the whole sermon today would be that as we think about how we're going to respond to God's grace, you can be certain that one of the promises of God is that you don't have to decide without any direction from God. In fact, God is offering all of us direction as we seek to be in right relationship with God, as we seek to be in right relationship with others. That's the reason why we had the Ten Commandments, because God wants us to be in those meaningful relationships with God and with other human beings. That's the reason why God sent the prophets, because every once in a while we venture off course. We lose sight of who God is and who God wants us to be, and those prophets were always trying to remind us of what we'd left behind and to call us back into relationship with God and to renew our commitment to love God and to love our neighbors That's why Jesus came, to help not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to flesh it out, to help us to understand what it is that God desires for all of God's people. It's why God continues to put people into our lives who are salt, who enhance the flavor of our life, who, who, who talk about ways that we can preserve our life, who, who, who really are, are trying to show us uh, in, in very visible and tangible ways what it means to be followers of Jesus. It's why God continues to put people in our lives who are lights. You know, um, we, we, the kids were reminded this morning that we can be a light, and that we get an opportunity to think about how can we be a light to the world? it 's just another way that God seeks to guide us into the way that would, would be a living a life that 's honoring and pleasing to God and also in loving other people as well. We get a chance to be salt and light. All of these ways are God's desire based on God's promise to guide us in our life and in our faith. That's why Jesus came offering fulfillment to the law. Because Jesus wants us to understand that in the end, it's all about relationships. Our relationship with God In our relationship with others. And all around us is guidance to live into that life.